0: I'm laughing about qualified. What, is, what does that mean? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not qualified to do anything. As a matter of fact, it is the mistakes that I've made that qualifies me to say a word. Um, I've learned in life, and I'm almost 50, I've learned in life that... Um, Again, it is where I have messed up that gives me any platform at all to talk. So today, what we're going to talk about, whether that's in my marriage or whether that's raising my kids. So today, I'm not going to tell you all the wonderful things we did that set them up for great success. I'm going to tell you some things that um, I've learned, some mistakes that we've made, some things that I think one of the best questions you can ask someone who is way ahead of you in the child-rearing phase is to say, if you... Had it to do all over again, what would you do differently? That is a classic, classic question, because it isn't about what I do do well; it's about what I wish I would have done. That really can set a pace and um, tell you so many things. So. Um, here I am today, and it's a real bittersweet place for me to be, because as of Saturday, I took my youngest to school, and we are completely empty nested. Now, it's not really I'm not really sad or weeping right now, because I still have my son in the house. He leaves tomorrow, um, and we'll pack up his stuff, and he is a whirlwind and, you know, an accident waiting to happen, so really he's done nothing, and we've left it all for this afternoon to, you know, run through everything that has to be done for him to leave, but, but um, it's, it, it is an opportunity and a great platform to look back and to say, okay, you know, um, what went well what would we do differently and to realize we're still in process. We are still refining and changing and doing things um, even as we speak. You know, Kristen and I talked about this and believe it or not we began talking about this in the spring and third time really is the charm because I was supposed to speak in June and realized, oh no, the day that I was supposed to speak I was having hip surgery the day before. Couldn't do that. Then we scheduled for July and somehow I thought y'all met at night. Where did I get that. I don't know. And we were out of town. And I was so proud that my plane was going to get in and plenty of time. I'm like, okay, well, I get in at noon. And so I'm emailing Chris and I'm like, okay, well, my plane gets in at noon. Remind me again what time. She's like, well, we're meeting at 10.15. And I was like, oh, that's a problem. So um, we had to punt and put somebody in. So this is, you know, third time is the charm and I'm glad to know. But as we began talking about that, um, we just said, you know, this is a perfect time with... One kid at TCU, one kid at A&M, and us literally saying to our children continually, um, so... How did you spend that money? Where did that go? Um, yeah, how set up are you? How's your budget? How you doing on this? How you doing? On... Those are kind of a lot of our questions, and that really is the whole premise of one for the money, two for the show, and you always go three to get ready and four says go. Well, I'm saying, will your baby? Because many of you have little tiny tots at this point, and you're thinking, do I really need to think about this now? And the answer is absolutely. As in everything with parenting, you begin right now setting a foundation for sending your kids off to college and doing it well in, in being financially prepared. And so as we began, really the first question I would ask you is think back to when you left home for college. Or maybe you didn't go to school. Maybe you left home and began to pursue career, <laughs> do whatever you did. But as you left, how financially prepared were you to handle life? all the things that life brings. Um, how savvy were you? And I, I love the story that my great friend Sherry Johnson tells. She tells on herself about the whole money thing. And she said, you know, I had a great upbringing, great life, but I really didn't get it because I thought as long as I still had checks in my checkbook, I had money in my account. And it was so shocking when my father had to call and go, Sherry, you, are, you have no money. You're overdrawn. And she like but Dad, I've got checks in my checkbook. And so that's when you go, okay, something is Something's wrong here. Something is not right, and we could do a little more to prepare our kids. So this morning, what we're going to talk about... Is really just we're just going to look briefly at three things, and what I want to do in what in the handout, and if you didn't get one, there will be one at the back. What I want to leave you with are lots of just practical, age-appropriate. I've broken it down into some age-appropriate things that you can do um, to begin to lay this groundwork. And so we're going to talk today about um, money in terms of what does God say about it, because we need to know that first before we can impart anything or pass on anything to our kids. And as everything in your life, it really, it really is about what your ability to teach your children and bring them up well in this area really has more to do with what you and your husband think about it than any tip or tool or anything else you would get. It's what you do with it that matters because you are modeling. I feel like I'm off center or something. You are modeling um, Every day, in every you know, every trip to Target, every trip to the grocery store, every decision that you make, you are modeling every thing that you know goes in the closet. And oh no, it's not new, and it, it really is new. And I mean, you're modeling in everything that you do. So, we first want to say, what does God say about money? Then, what does He want me to do with it? And then, what are the practical things um, that we can use with children as they're growing up? So, those are the things we're going to look at. So what does God say about money? And the very first thing I think that we have to get in our head if we really want to live with this biblical perspective is that it is all His. It's all His. And that sounds so simple. And you're like, well, of course. Yes, it is. It is. But you see, our culture and everything in our culture wants us to think that our money is ours. It's mine. And if it's mine, then I can do with it what I want. Now, how many of you have a two-year-old in this room? Wow. Okay. Then you're going you're to sober like, I bet you anything, you did not teach your child to say mine. But how quickly does a two-year-old learn, Mine! Mine! And it comes out with this. It's not, Mine! Mine! It doesn't come out real sweet and gentle. It comes out as, It's mine! And they're usually yanking it back from another child, or from a sibling, or... It's this innate sense that's within us that says, This is mine. And that is a pervasive thing that goes all the way into adulthood that, that we think... The money that we have earned is somehow ours. And we get the freedom and the privilege to do with it what we want. And you know what? Nothing could be more anti-biblical than that perspective. Um, I think, again, our culture tends to say one of a couple things about thinking that it's mine. I think it's mine, and it's mine because I'm just a little bit smarter than the average bear. Um, I just know how to manage better. And if you heard my husband um, a few weeks ago, he talked, talked in church, and he talked about his savvy, you know, if my savvy, my, my uh, financial proudness and savvy can get me this. And you kind of start thinking, well, I did it. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i a great investor. I did this. Or I'm a great You know, I attended a great university. I mean, I went to an Ivy League school, and so surely my education has enabled me to do better than the average bear. Or, it is, I just work harder. I mean, that's the other. Okay, I just work harder than so-and-so. I mean, it's there because of what I have done, the fruit of my hands. And that's why I love this verse in Deuteronomy. You may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand. You see the my made me this wealth. Look, in one sentence we have my, my, me. It's all about me in this verse. But here again, what we're being told is you may say, this, But you should remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power to make wealth, that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers this day. And then again in First Chronicles, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on this earth is yours. It, it's your dominion, O Lord. You exalt yourself as head over all, both riches, that would be money, and honor. Come from you, and you rule over it all. And in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. And then, there in Psalms, which is so great, the earth is the Lord and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So, it is all God's. It's not yours and your husband's. It isn't, it's His. And if that's true, then what does he say about it? And he has an incredible amount to say about it. There are 2,350 verses in the Bible that have to do with money. Do you know that Jesus, and Kyle mentioned this as well, he spoke more about money and, and what we do with it than he did about heaven and hell. And, and that's our destination. And that's our home. And that's where he's calling us. And yet, he spoke more about money than he did about those things. The Bible says twice as much about money as it does faith and prayer combined. So is it important to get a good handle on it? Absolutely. It absolutely is. And yet, in God's economy, in a biblical world sense, money is a neutral item. It's neither good nor bad, so you also have to have that understanding. Money's not a bad thing, and having it is not a bad thing. It's neutral. God doesn't, doesn't. It's not. It, it doesn't weigh to one side of the scale or the other. It has the potential, however, to be either and both of those things. Um, it can be either one at one time, and it can be both all together wrapped up. What we do know from Scripture in 1 Timothy 6 is that it is the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money in and of itself. So, money's all his. And then the second truth I think we've got to get in our head before we really start talking about how to live that out is that God does care what we do with our money. So it's His. If it's His, then of course He cares. Because when it's yours, you care. If you think it's yours, you care about what it's used for and how it's used. So it's not yours. It's His. And He does care what you do with it. Um, if the money is all His, and from a biblical perspective, I think we got to say it is. There's no question. That's not a, that's not a question. Then we... That makes us simply caretakers of his money. Stewards, if you will. And you've heard that terminology um, in Christian circles, good stewardship. Well, what does that mean? Well, we are the stewards because it's not ours, it's his. We're the caretakers over the money that he entrusts to us. And it does matter. He does care what we do with it. How do we know that? Well, we see the concept in Scripture. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells the parable about the talents. And if you'll remember, he gives money in differing amounts to three different people and then he says i'm going away and do you know and i will come back and check up on you so he didn't give the same amount flat out to everybody it wasn't the same across it wasn't equal he gave different amount according to their does anybody know what he gave it to according to their ability exactly i don't know who said it yes he gave according to their ability so we we learned some things from this we see that god gives differing amounts to different people according to their ability but then he has an expectation about what you do with what he's given you and he does come back Um, the head of the house does come back and he says to his servants what did you do with what I gave you and there are reports and some multiplied hugely and then not as big and then the last one what happened to the last guy in his money what did he do with it he buried it, he didn't and then not only what did he do with it, but then what did he say about the head of the master of the house? What did he say about him? Does anybody remember that? It is very telling. What did he say? you I know you to be a harsh and um, judgmental individual and I you know essentially saying I couldn't trust you you didn't have my best interest in mind you're out to rip me off and so I've got it it's right here and what does what does the master say back to this person anybody how did it end how does that story end with that individual Yes, you fool, and what has been given to you will be taken from you. And and, and he clearly says this person is a fool, and I'm not going to give you anything more to do anything with. Because clearly, not only did you not do anything with it, it's really all about who you think I am. And that's what God's saying. How you treat your money really speaks more about who you think God is, and what you think he's doing in your life than anything else. So he does care. What we learn when we look real intensely at that parable, we learn some other things. And the first thing is that that parable, when you put it in context of that whole scripture in Matthew 25, it's not just about money. When you back up in that passage, you learn that what what was being spoken of, what Jesus was talking about before he said, let me give you an illustration, what he was talking about was heaven. And so then he went to this illustration. So he was talking about our ultimate destination, He was telling his listeners what the kingdom of heaven was like. And so what he was wanting them to understand out of this is that everything you've been given, your time, your talent, and your money, is... It's not yours to to use as you would choose. Instead, it has a much higher purpose, a kingdom purpose, if you will. And everything that you've been given is really for the purpose of shepherding and leading others to the kingdom of God. That's what it's really all about. He also there is, because it's about the kingdom, he's saying we've got to diligently prepare for Christ's return and ultimately taking us to the true kingdom in which we all belong so we've got to be busy today about investing time talent and treasure to serve God and further his kingdom that's what it's about so like everything else in your home and in parenting stewardship is far more caught than it's taught so we're going to talk about how you can teach it but again it's about what you do every day that your children are going to catch on to it's those things that they're going to latch on to and I think hopefully when they get to college, if you go and ask them what did you learn, sometimes it's not going to be the the, the little lessons you thought you taught so well. It's going to be the way you lived. And that's what they're going to come back to and say, well, this is what I learned from mom and dad. So um, we've got to practice what we preach. And I, and I know you've heard those words before. And, of course, Scripture backs it up with train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. That's our goal here. That's what you're doing. It's so great to be here and to say, that's my goal. is I want to do things now so that when they're in college, they won't depart from that. Or if they do, it'll just be a short detour, we hope. Um, as we raise our kids, our goal isn't to teach them regarding money to be penny pinchers and to be obsessed with money and fretting over it and anxious over every little expenditure. It's to be joyful, to be responsible, and to be generous as a steward of God's abundance to us. If you were there a few weeks ago when Kyle taught, one of the things he talked about as well, a concept, was that scripturally if we have anything beyond food and um, a Clothing, You know, uh, that may entail a place to live. It doesn't really say that. But if we have anything beyond food and clothing, we are wealthy. We have abundance. And so, again, there's a concept, a mindset, a mindset that we need to to lay up against our culture. Because, of course, our culture would not say that. Our culture says, yes, but you need this and this and this and this. Um, Then you can say... I'm a, I have abundance. I have more than I need. And that's not at all what Scripture says. So, We have to continually rub ourselves up against that and say, how do we teach our children not to be penny pinchers, but also not to live with thinking I need to ultimately define my success by something else, but simply to be joyful, responsible, and generous right where I am with what I have. And the fact of the matter is, everyone sitting in this room has more than food and clothing. We have lots to be generous with, no matter what your um, reported income is on your IRS statement. And so that's what we've got to, to um, help our kids catch the vision of. So that takes us to the second thing. What does God want me to do with my money? And specifically because you're parenting, we're going to talk here about what does he want you to do with it as far as training your children up. How do you train your children up to be responsible, generous, joyful in um in stewarding the resources that God has given. And I think the first thing there that is a great tool and tactic, and it is for everything you want to teach your kid, your children, kids, children, um, is number one, I think, what does he want you to do with it? He wants you to keep the lesson, whatever it is you're trying to teach, simple. Keep it simple. Um, that's something you just, you got to learn to break things down and make it easy for kids to latch on to and to hold on to. So keep it simple. Um, it's just, it's critical with kids. And so because of that, what we're going to talk about the rest of the morning and what we're going to focus on are three areas. There are so many more facets to dealing with money. As you know, it's very complex the the, the longer out you go. But when you're starting at the beginning with kids, keep it simple. Really, I mean, mine are in college, and we're still really pretty much at the simple stage. It's getting a little more complicated, but it still really comes down to the three things I'm going to talk about right now. So, starting at a very early age, what can we do? Um, we're going to look at three areas. They are saving. Spending, giving. And I'm going to talk about those more in a minute, so just hang on. But when we do that, we're making one critical assumption. If you talk about saving, spending, and put them in any order, I don't care, giving, giving, saving, spending. Then you're doing that in light of a critical assumption, and that assumption is that you have money to do those things with, to divide up into three categories. Now, the simple question is, well, how do you get money? Because it's assuming that we have money, but we got to back up and go, well, we got to teach our kids how to get money. And how do you get money? Yeah, you work for it, work So we're making the critical assumption here That we've got money to begin with And money comes from work, the work of our hands So we've got to teach our kids, I think, the very first thing To be diligent in working Um, Just diligence It's a concept we've got to instill And you can start this when they're really young With some very simple chores And to teach them that the work of their hands Has a great benefit at the end of the day Um, you know when they're little tiny and we're going to talk about this at the very end I mean that can be literally just clean up, clean up, everybody everywhere, that great little song it's just cleaning up their room, did you pick up your toys I mean you know there are simple things that you can begin in those preschool days that let them see they can have a part, include them in everything, I mean find a way for them to help do something, you're folding laundry Pull them in and say, sort the socks for me. Or put all the big white things over here. Put all, Just help mommy do whatever it is I'm doing. If I'm in the kitchen cooking, pull up a chair, stand them up there, and let them do some things. That's beginning. The, those are beginning the concepts of working diligently. Um, let them take their plate over and set it on the sink. I mean, those things can begin at a very, very young age. Let them set the table. I mean, those are all things that let them begin to see that they can um, be a part. Of, of being a, in, a, in a family that learns and knows that work is a good and healthy thing um, one of the things that we as a family always did th- this is hard this is a hard concept I think today because so many people um, have help and whether that's Someone comes in to clean your house. I mean, one of the things I learned as a kid, and I'm a lot older than most of you in this room, but I mean, we never had someone to come in and clean our house. It was we had chore day, and it you know, and it came out, and you got your little bucket, and you had your whether you were the toilet bowl cleaner, or you were onto the bathrooms, or you were the duster, or you were the sweeper. You you had your set things to do, and that is a great concept, um, and really from an early age mine were right back to back so they were just a year apart I, I found more to, I have, was more frightened of them getting the cleaning chemicals And so early on one of the things Kyle said is you can have someone come in to clean well you know what once you start that it's really hard to go back because <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now it's really hard to go back and, and consequently I didn't and so I am told you I'm going to tell you about mess up. to me that's a mess up um, my kids are, are not really as well equipped in the whole cleaning thing and you know what they might not be able to afford that as a matter of fact it's kind of shocking right now in college they kind of have to clean their own room and I'm telling you there have been some times I've walked into Jordan's dorm room and I'm like wow I clearly messed up here I did something wrong so you know as I'm looking at the toothpaste that's kind of streaming down the the, uh, the mirror that they're looking in I'm thinking how can you see your face I don't know how you see your face and a little Windex would just take care of that but anyway that's up to you so that, that, that is great that's a great Place to start is just little household chores, and you do have to be cautious with preschoolers because cleaning chemicals are so powerful. But go organic and then you don't have to worry about it. I mean, you know, it doesn't so anyway, whatever it is, just enjoy your children to, to come along beside you and, and begin to do these things. One of the other things, and this is probably because I like it so much. My one of the great things that my dad, we didn't have any boys in my family, so I grew up doing the yard, and I, I actually love doing the yard. I find great. I think it's very therapeutic to put your hands in the soil and you see the... You see the... you know, you see the fruit of your labor right away. I mean, when you cut that, when you edge that lawn, boy, immediately your, your your yard just looks awesome. I love seeing that. You know, it's really quick. When you cut the grass, there's a whole different look right there. You can get that feeling every single week. It's amazing. So, um, it's really a big deal. We, that was one of the things we did very well. We never had a lawn service until the past year when Jordan left for college. I actually gave that to Kyle as a gift. Even though I like to mow the lawn, um, I don't have as much time to do that as I used to. And again, it's, now it's about choices and how we spend our time. But as a family, that was a huge thing. My kids planted vegetables. There are so many spiritual lessons you can use and talk about. When you stick seeds into the ground and something grows and you water it and you have to pull the weeds, there are amazing things. When you have flowers that grow and you can arrange them and talk about the beauty that is around, there are so many great things. And and then again, just the relentless nature of the yard growing, and I just wait. Didn't I just mow that? I mean, yeah, you did. And guess what? It's the week passed and you got to mow it again, and that's life, isn't that life? What a great lesson to teach your kids that you don't do it and you're done. It's, it's kind of the grudge and drudgery of life, and you need to teach your kids that's part of life. Is just you got. There's some things you're going to have to do, and you're really not going to want to do them. But guess what? It doesn't go away. You can't let the yard grow knee high. You have to go back out there and hit it again and that's a great concept it's really Colossians 3:23 lived out. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working to the, for the Lord and not for men. And I love that. You know, if God asked you or me to sweep the floor, would we miss a corner or lazily kind of la, 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 la? No. I mean, we'd do it. We'd work hard. We'd do it with excellence. We'd probably sweep more than he asked us to. We'd probably spill out onto the onto the porch and sweep that, too, even if he didn't ask us because God's asking. And really, that's the concept we got to teach our kids is, you know what, it doesn't... You're doing this as if God asks you. It doesn't matter if mom asks you or dad asks you or your teacher asks you. Um, You are doing it for God. And that's a great, great concept. It's a heart attitude. And what you're doing is learning to shepherd their heart. And that diligence begins in your heart. If we know we're working to please God and not men, then it makes it easier to have a good attitude. And, you know, this is a great concept to teach our kids because there's some things that may not work out like we always wanted them to. When we think of work, number one, we may not uh, end up doing a job that we like particularly well. I mean, there may be a season of our life where we may have to do something we don't like. And guess what? That starts in kindergarten. I'm just going to tell you now. I will never forget um, Jordan's kindergarten teacher loved telling this story, and we kept up with her. So this went on for years, that she loved telling this story about Jordan sitting down in kindergarten and um, getting some papers. She put some papers, and she w- had asked him to do some work, you know, and color this picture or something. And she said, you have the most polite little young man, but this is what he said. Oh, no, thank you. I don't want to. Thank you very much. No, thank you. I mean, he was like, no, thank you, ma'am. I don't want to do that today. She said, "Well, oh wow, he was really polite about it, but he was real certain he didn't want to do that." And and that pervades, that pervades all the way, you know. That that's a that's just one of those personality issues that Jordan still. Is, it's again, it's a set framework of our kids that still he struggles with. Oh, thank you. That's a great idea. No, thanks. I don't really want to do that. And he's got to continually evaluate his heart regarding his work from here on out. And I'm going to tell you a story about that in a second. <clears throat> The other thing is that we have to understand that we may at points in time in our life and teach our children that they may have to work for little or even... no pay. <laughs> that may happen. That happened to Jordan this year and I'm going to tell you about that. So let's back up. We may have to do a job we don't like. I mean, look at this. There's fairy tales that have to do with this. There's Cinderella who had to work for the evil old stepmother. But guess what? There are actually true stories in God's Word that talk about this. What about Joseph? What a great story about Joseph being sold into slavery, working for Potiphar, and not just Potiphar, then in the prison. And what what did he do? Even in the prison, even for Potter, he Potiphar, he rose to the top And he did excellent work. Do you think he wanted to do it? Do you think he wanted to be there? No. He wanted to be home, back home with his father and his brothers. No. Um, But that's that's what he did do because he had learned diligence starts with an attitude of the heart. Um, Jordan, this past summer, Again, um, he's a kid. Mine are wired very, very differently. He's a creative, more of a free spirit, kind of a bohemian. Um, he wanted—he's in film school. He wanted to make films this summer, and Kyle said, "That's great. You can make them all you want." after you work after you do some work and and Jordan said but you know I got these guys and we want to work all day and, and Calvin I understand you think that's work but the, the point of the matter is you have to work at a job a real job that you have to go to that you have to be to at a time and then you have I don't care what it is but you pick it um, and then you can make movies into the evening, into the night. I mean, you got hey, you got 24 hours in a day, just like I do. But you're not living. I'm not paying for college. You're not living in the hum, in this house without a job. And so, ooh, that was really difficult. And um, and he lolled around. And and this conversation began in January because he said, you know, if I were you. I would start looking now. If I were you, well, you know, then he quit saying anything because it's his deal. He's got to do it. And so by May, he moved home and didn't really have anything and scrambled and scrounged around and missed some opportunities. And anyway, the long and short of it is he got a great Opportunity to work uh, two things. He had applied in January when it was suggested he did apply to be a counselor at Pine Cove and at Canuck. Ended up um, getting a, a term at Canuck, second term. So he's like, I have a job. I'm working. And Kyle said, Well, that starts in July. <laughs> you move home in May, and you're not sleeping in our house all day long and running out and making movies. You're not. We're not doing that. You got to do something between now and then. Again, lolling, lolling, little prodding. And um, finally, I mean, literally, Kyle came home one day. Jordan was still home in May. And he said, get out of my house. Get out. You haven't found something, so you're gonna, your work right now is to find something. I don't care what you do, but at 8 o'clock, you're out the door, buddy. And I don't want to see you till 5 o'clock or until you find a job. So he did some yard work, did some manual labor, found a job. that Came home that day, found a job, went to do some manual labor. And then ended up doing some things his dad suggested a long time ago, calling Rob Thomas, good friend of ours that has Igniter Media, I mean, come on, that's making movies, that's what you like, that's a creative element, and he interned for Rob until he went to Kanakak, and he interned for no pay. It's an internship that doesn't bring a paycheck home with it. And so, again, he had to learn this lesson. And let me tell you then, he did go to Cannon Cut. He did get a paycheck, but for the hours that you spend from 7 in the morning until 11 at night with kids for six weeks straight with four days off or five, he comes home and he goes, I figured I think I made about a a buck an hour. That's about what I got, you know. So it's really just about, like, not making much. And so what Kyle had done is he said, because you are choosing to serve, others and to invest with a kingdom mindset, I'm going to match that. I'm going to match that. I'm going to help you, you know, I'm going to help I will help supplant what you, the little meager amount that you got so that you can do some things with it and that you then will have money to do something with and to make choices with. So (laughs) keep it simple all the way up till now and it may just have to be sorry you can't stay here anymore you got to be out of the house and then get creative and this really comes back to things that you can begin to do right now at your kids at your kid's age Children work, I think, best with visuals. Things that they can, they're tactile. If they can see it and touch it, they can get a great grasp on it. And so I love this. This is something we didn't use, but again, I've learned it later down the road. I didn't hear it, didn't see it, didn't know it. But that is get three jars. If we're talking about three concepts, then they can be mason jars, they can be tin cans, (laughs) coffee cans. But put some labels on the outside with the three areas that we suggested. Giving, saving, spending. And set that concept up early. And I'm going to come back and tell you the ages. Really, children can't concretely understand money until probably about five or six. So don't begin this too early. Don't get it out now. Don't run home if you've got the two and three-year-old. It's not going to really translate. Wait. I introduced way too many things too soon, and then it just didn't really have the impact. So I would very much say wait until later versus earlier. But when when your kids have begun, to get an allowance or whatever it is that you choose to do or you begin to give them a quarter for loading the dishwasher and they begin to amass the money later After, and I would wait until they started school for sure and begin to understand concrete concepts that you bring out the jars but then bring them out and here's where you can have fun you can label them you can color them you can zing them up really neat because kids love it if it's attractive and it looks good they love that and I'm going to give you a concept because K1 is coming next month I actually borrowed K's because these are K's from her kids. Kay actually went to the container store and she got these, you know, they come individually. She um, glued them together and she's got, and then she labeled them not with give, save, spend, but she put actually some different titles. It's the same concept, same thing. She has bank. And it actually has quite a bit of money in it. She has sinned. And this is literally, she pulled one of her kids out of their room. It's empty right now. So that tells you something, doesn't it? And then over here says church. Well, this is giving. Okay. But I am going to talk to you about, there's many ways your children can give. And to many people, not just church. And so that's a concept really we need to, to communicate and to instill as well. Because we as the body of Christ should be doing things all over this city. And investing in many ways. And you're encouraged every Every day at this church to do that. So um, anyway, that's her concept. But isn't that cute? It's really cute. It has lids that pop off and pop on. And she just said, you know, her kids love it. So you can make it whatever you want it um, to be. But there's the concept. So let's talk about and let's break those down. The first box we're going to call the giving box. Um, so Again, you know, we didn't teach our kids to say mine, but they get that concept very, very early. So we've got to um, teach them that things are not mine, but they are um, again simply entrusted with these things to do with, to be generous, um, to be joyful and generous, and to use them for God's purposes. It's what does God want you to do with this? This is something God allowed you to have, and you want to, you want to emphasize the sheer joy that accompanies a lifestyle of giving that's what you want to impart a generous man will prosper he who refreshes others and that's a very broad thing to say will himself be refreshed whoever trusts in his riches will fall but the righteous and again those who refresh others will thrive like a green leaf that's Proverbs 11 so we've got to clarify some of the misconceptions about giving And the first, um, really, is is just what do you have available to give because many people think all I have is my money and that is not true and that's a concept again you want your kids to understand that they really have three key things they can give away they can give their time it's a valuable thing they can give their talent and everybody has one and they can give their treasure which is money so really again we want our kids to know there are three things that they can give away and I'm going to give you lots of practical applications But time, um, time is really one of our most precious commodities. Once the time is gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. We want to teach kids that giving of their time is a great gift, whether it's sitting and talking or just listening to someone else, um, whether it be a grandparent, a neighbor, a friend. Giving their time is a great gift. And we're going to talk a lot more about that. Then we can teach them that giving their talent away is something. Now, what is talent? Well, that could be things like singing, playing an instrument, acting. Maybe they're good with their hands in wood. It could be using a computer. It could be their brain. Maybe they God gifted them with great intellect, and they can give away um, their smarts, so to speak. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment, too. So any of these are talents that they have, and every child has them. They may be artistic. They may be bright. They may be great in math. They may be, I don't know what it is for yours, but when they get into school, these gifts will begin to come to the surface, and you'll begin to see. They may have the voice of an angel. These are all things you can help them discover, and then encourage them to give that away. Um, Most of the high schools in, in this city now have community service as part of a graduation requirement. This is a great thing because this instills in them and allows them the freedom to begin thinking in high school and gives them the responsibility of giving away their talent and their time. So it's a great thing. And, and it, as your children get there someday, if they don't have that, boy, I'd go in and be talking to the school, encourage them to set that up and and create it in your own house. If your school doesn't support it, then, then set up that as a goal for your own kids to say, wow, you need to do this many year of hours of community service to graduate well from this house um, Audrey my, my kids again are very different Jordan is very artistic so many times he's gotten the opportunity to give away his skill to draw to create to write to um, do those kinds of things Audrey mm, her stick figures look about like mine they're not really very good but Audrey is bright very very bright and we learned this early on because she would be at lunch helping other kids with their homework And kids who didn't understand this began to emerge in middle school, and so Audrey started a began tutor began tutoring for money and for just for fun, just to help people sometimes not to charge. And then that began to be her form of. She had a very lucrative business by the time she graduated as a senior in high school, tutoring high school kids because she had all the toughest AP classes and could go back and help the kids with chem two or physics or calculus. and you know, you would pay seventy bucks for a tutor that you would find outside and yet you can get this high school kid who's just gone through that that class with that teacher that could help, and it became a great way for her to help others. Sometimes she gave that service away. Sometimes she actually learned that she could charge for that service. And then that takes us to the last thing, and that's treasure, of course, which is money. Um, this, literally, for a child to be able to give away their money, I think the first thing you got to know about that is that's got to be money then that they have earned or been given um, from their own hand, from their own hard work. In other words, I think somehow the lesson is lost if you just give them a dollar and tell them to go put it in the church box. Somehow they don't, because they haven't had to do anything for it. But when they have had to earn it or do it, then, the, then when they go to give it away, it has a much greater weight and impact. And then they get the concept, wow, you know, I see this. And it's, it's much, much different. By the time your kids hit teenage years, um, again, you can begin to instill this very young and I'm going to give you some examples, but by the time they become teenagers, then you can bring them into the family discussion of how the family gives their money. And our family all sits around the table and talks about um, the things that we're involved in, and and what do we want to do. Or people have approached us and want us to give to them, so we talk about that. Is this a good place? Does this fit with our family values? Does this? Do we want to do this? I mean, you know, uh, friends that are going on mission trips. Okay, great. Do we just give to everybody, or do we? What are the parameters? What are the structures? And we get our kids to participate in that discussion. It's great. It's a great way to let them see that. And then one of the other things we do um, give away is and some treasure is involved here is very early on and we started when our kids were 7 and 8 we chose to give away our vacations and we gave them away by choosing to go serve somewhere around the world and so where we would be going to Paris or somewhere we've been to Russia we've been to China and really we spend a tremendous amount of our time now in Africa serving and so um, our kids have loved that as a matter of fact they chose last year Jordan in college Audrey's senior year and senior year is a big deal for the senior trip Senior trip for your spring break year but what did our kids do? They were with us in Africa. They chose to spend their time and their treasure um, giving it to someone else for a purpose higher and greater and so that's another way you can um, teach that. Then there's the saving concept and saving is something you do for tomorrow. It's putting aside a planned amount of money each month and it can help you get enough to buy things that would cost more than you you have at the moment. It helps you get ready for a future planned event like college for y'all, planning for your kids for college. It can also help prepare us for events that happen unexpectedly in the future, like the air conditioner went out or those things that the car broke down, the things we don't like to have happen, but they happen. And we gotta teach our kids to prepare for those things as well and to be um, you know, to be mindful and that I Sometimes when I save money, it's not just to go below on something I want. I need to have an amount set aside for the unexpected that may happen in life. Um you know, we, we want our kids to not just have the concept of saving that I, I just want to save, 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 um, so that I can have lots of money. Don't know what I want to do with it. I just want lots of money. Well, we got to put that up against what does God's Word say, that having lots of money is foolish. Saving um, to the, for the purpose of saving only, the Bible calls that hoarding. And, and Jesus calls that person who d- had done that in Scripture a fool. Again, it's much like with the talent well again in Luke he does the same thing as well he says be on guard against all kinds of greed a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop and the man said this is what I'm going to do I'm going to tear down my barns and build, build bigger ones and there I can store up my grain and my goods and I'll say to myself you have plenty of good things laid up for years to come take it easy eat, drink and be merry but what did God say to him? Anybody? Yes. You fool. This night, your life is required of you. So here this man thought he was setting aside money and and he was going to live well for the rest of his life. He was going to eat, drink, and be merry. And he did not know that his life would end that night. So where did all that go? We've got to teach our kids that's not the purpose for why we said we don't save to indulge ourselves. And so we, we want... We want to understand and pass on that saving is simply delayed spending. That's what it is. It really isn't to be used for something else. It is delayed spending. You are going to spend that some time on something. That's what saving is. We don't want to get it confused with earning, um, although money can work for you. That's called investment, and that's a whole other subject and topic, and it's more complex, and that's not what we're teaching our children at this point. So, again, we want to keep it simple, and, and we want to teach them the basics about saving. Uh, let me give you an illustration of this. When our kids were 8 years old, um, Kyle set them down, and we um, began to see around us this concept of even... You know, many godly men and women um, at 16 giving their kids a car. I mean, just you know, it was just like, well, you grow up in America. I mean, don't you get a new car when you're six, when you turn 16? And Kyle said, not my kids. Um, they're not going to, and they need to know that right now. One of the little colloquialisms or little sayings we we have lots of them in our house that Kyle has always told our kids about money is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Because Jordan came home one day, and you know, some guy down the road had a Lamborghini. He goes, Dad, could you afford a Lamborghini? And Kyle said, Well, just because I can, if I can, doesn't mean I should. And everything you do in life, you should use that evaluation. Okay, just because I can do this, I should I should run it through a deeper and, and wider grid than just jumping out there and doing that. So, again, he sat him down and he said, I need you to know that you're going to be 16. And that seems like light years away when you're 8 years old. But you're going to want a car, and I'm not going to buy you one. But I will help you. And it's the same concept he used with Jordan this year. this just this whole matching concept. He said, whatever you save, I will match. And this is when we set up a savings account for the first time for our kids. And we said, when you get money for Christmas or birthdays or you've worked for Grandma and done some chores, or you work for us, and we give our began giving our kids, tons of opportunities to earn money around the house. I mean, again, we want them to work. Sometimes chores have no monetary benefit. Sometimes they do. So if we do something extraordinary, then there's a monetary value that's, that's put aside for that. And Kyle said, when you set money aside and give it to me to save, I'll match that money. And that's what we began to do. And so they began to, and of course, it really didn't mean much until they hit about 13. Then, their friends that had older brothers and sisters begin the driving and seeing and so then there begin to be a little more frenzy and a little more focused towards saving that money and having money set aside and was it the same did they both have the same no because my kids are different I have one who gets saving who is less likely to spend and I have one who if there's a quarter in my pocket it is burning a hole right through there and something there's something out there that I need to spend it on and so they didn't have the same and therefore you know one gets one thing one gets another I don't care but whatever you've got in that bank account that's what we're going to go shop for and that's what we did so when they turned 16, we got to look at the account, the amount in the account, and then we got to drive around and look, and they did the research on the computer, and et cetera, et cetera, and, well, I can get this for that, and, you know, so they both bought, obviously, used cars, um, one with 80,000 miles, one with 13,000 miles, just found a great deal. Um, so, again, you know, it just, it begins to teach them how to make decisions, and and that there are so many options. There's no one tried and true way to do any of this. There are, that's what makes it's so complicated is there are many you have a smorgasbord ways of how to attack these things and go about it and the thing that you want to do as long as your children are living in your house is just have you be part of that process and help shepherd them through looking at all the angles and thinking through things that they might not because testosterone says I need a Camaro or I need that new GT Mustang or you know and so you got to help them get through that and learn that there's some other things to consider Um, then we get to the last category and that's spending and that's what they do today for today that's the immediate gratification um... Spending is not the opposite of saving. As many people think, it's the opposite of earning. Um, So, you know, you earn something and you spend it. It's the opposite of that. And we got a great example in Proverbs 31 that women are a part of this as well. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings, and she plants a vineyard. The Proverbs 31 woman was great at this. So we have a good example. Um, I think an effective way to teach children how to properly spend money is that you show them how you do it every day. Whether it's groceries, clothes, car, um, house, you know, enjoy them, bring them into the decision making process, let them hear and see what you and your husband do. Um, let them be a part of the conversations and the, t- and, the, and the concept and the talk. Another great thing that I read about, we didn't do it, but I think this is a great concept, when they are preteens, um, a great thing, and they begin to can begin to understand budgeting and, and setting money aside, that one of the great things you can do is have your household bring home a paycheck The entire, whatever that amount is for that two week period in dollar bills. Get it in dollar bills and bring it home and set it on the table in the middle of the table, as many dollar bills as that is, however it is, what your take-home pay is, and then get out your budget and say, okay, this looks like a lot of money, doesn't it? And if it's in dollar bills, it's going to look like a lot. And then you say, you know what, it does look like a lot of money, but it, a lot of that already has a place to go. That's called our budget. And so we want to go through and have them help you count out, well, our electric bill is this much. We spend this much on gas to get to A and B. We spend this much and let them begin to see as you count it out and put it in piles, and your piles will basically look the same. You've got the piles that are the spending piles. you got a pile that is saving, whether that's 401k or whatever it is, whatever vehicle you use. And then you have a pile of giving, of what you would give, whether that's to Watermark or to wherever you worship and other causes. So right then, your kids can see it. And you know what? It's the same thing that happens to you and I. When you count it out like that and you put it in the pile, you look and what that what was this huge pile of money, there probably aren't going to be very many dollar bills left over that are just sitting there with no designated purpose and plan. It is a powerful, powerful lesson. I can say it because I, I think I know what it would look like, but we didn't do it. But I think it's a great way to get them to see it so clearly in their mind. So, you know, ultimately it will help them, all these things really just help them to begin to discern what's expensive, what's not. How do I shop on sale? How do I not? Um, one of the things we began to do in this whole area as well of spending is um, we set up a checking account for our kids when they turn 13. And at that point, from that point forward, we no longer gave them cash. It is so easy to have kids come up, Mom, I need 10 bucks for whatever, you know, or I'm going to the I'm going to the whatever and I need money. And, and we began realizing we were handing out money. And sometimes I would hand out money and Kyle would hand out money. And so they kind of got double the money. And so we said, Whoa, we got to get a handle on this. So we went to the bank, opened a checking account, and um, began to say that they would get an allowance, a set amount, per month, And then they were free to choose how to spend that. Now, if they ask us, we would certainly weigh in on that. But then they got to spend it however they want. This very quickly allows them to decide um, and to learn some great techniques. How to shop on sale. Because, you know, when you're a 13-year-old girl, going to the mall is a big deal. And thinking that I need those true religion jeans and this and that and so you begin to learn I've got to really say for a long time that oh my goodness I could go to the Gap and get them for $35 Um, but if I really want that you know I, I can have that as a goal but it's going to take me a long time to get the $200 it costs to buy those jeans. Is it really worth it? You can tell your kids that is so stupid that is not worth it but you know what they're not going to hear that and so instead give them the freedom and give them the freedom to make the mistake and you know what she still wears true religion jeans she's safe and she stays for a long time. But sometimes she what she's learned is she'll go to um, Buffalo Gap and find them. She gets on the internet and finds them on eBay and there are lots of ways to teach to teach kids. And so when you set the money aside, you give them the opportunity. Now how does that look when they go to college? Again, this whole spending thing. We've got friends who give their kids a credit card. We're not giving our kids a credit card. They have to earn it. As a matter of fact, they have to have a job. I'm like, we didn't get that when I was growing up. I mean, you couldn't get a credit card unless you had a job. How do you get a credit card when you don't have any income? I don't get that. That is a bad model. Don't do that. I mean, I'm like, don't do that. They have a debit card. It goes with their checking account. We literally, even in college, our kids write, write the check for their tuition statement. I mean, it comes. We don't pay that. I mean, we want them to understand this is expensive. This is an investment, and we want you to know it. I mean, they will email us. We're paying for it, but they'll email us and say the bill came for whatever it is. It's a lot more at TCU than it is at a and I was really excited to see Audrey's A&M bill. I'm like, yes! that is best. Go to a state school. That is great. Um, but it's way less, but it's a huge amount still. So she simply emails, says it's this amount. We transfer that amount, but she writes the check, he writes the check so they can see what that is that's very very important to value and understand the weight instead of you, mom and dad, just writing the check for it all they. Audrey is not getting a meal plan, she is buying all her own food because she's organic and she's like, I'm not eating that junk that they have in those whatever, and she's going to learn, that is really tough to do but you know, I said, okay, what's a meal plan per semester, we're going to divide that out by month and that's what you get and I'm thinking that she might think Albertsons is not so bad after all on occasion you know because it costs more to eat that way and that's what I've been telling her all along and I've done it as long as she's living at home but now she's going to get to see it for real and um, and she's going to get to make some choices about it so um, one of the other things and we just learned that, that this summer because Jordan again he's the spender and he gets a set amount each month put into his account spend you know however you want um, and that could be different for everybody. I don't mind telling you, it. he gets $200. That's it. That's all. I mean, no more. So for gas, for going out, for eating out, for you know, going on a date. I mean, you get $200. If you need more than that per month, then you got to come up with it yourself. But I'm not going to ask you how you spend it. And I'll be darned. He's not a dater yet. He, he not. But again, he's a film student he can spend almost $200 every month on film, whether it's at the movie theater or at Blockbuster. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? I mean, rent it! But he buys them. I mean, again, I think it's stupid, but one day, I can't tell him that, and one day, I'm just waiting for the time he get, he starts dating, and he's going to go, well, I don't have any money to take her out. And I'm to go, well, quit buying movies, and then maybe you would. I mean, you know, so one day he's going to learn this. I mean, he has learned he can go sell some back, but oh my goodness, it's a tiny fraction of, okay, then why are you doing that? You know, barter with your friend down the hall or something. But anyway, we're learning this and what we're learning is next year he's probably going to get an apartment and so this summer we had to say, wow, I'm not really sure you're budgeting well. As a matter of fact, I don't even think you have the concept of that. So let's install Quicken on both of your computers and as you spend you have to categorize it. And so again, we didn't do this before but it's now we're there and so we're having them drop everything they spend into a budget because when we said, well, you need a budget. They really didn't know what to even what amounts to come up with. And we said, okay, that's great. Let's do a few months, get it under our belt, and then you'll see what you've spent in those areas. And then you can determine is that good or bad. We'll have the discussion with you, and um, and then what should it be then you can come up with a budget that you can live in because what we're trying to do now in college is teach them that when you get out whatever you make in income is not going to go very far and you have to know you have to be vigilant in how to spend it so anyway that kind of just that brings you up right to college and what we're doing so practical tips we've got them and I'm going to talk we can talk about those even as we split off at your tables I'll talk about those in a minute but I'd love to open the floor for any questions and then I will talk about about the practical tips because what I did there let me just tell you what I did was just break down for you and I'd love as you um, in a little while I'd love for you all to brainstorm some more but I just said okay let's start at three to seven how can you um... Teach them to give away their time, their talent, and their treasure. And I gave you just some ideas there. Then I broke it from 8 to 12. What does that look like? How does it change from 8 to 12? Then from 13 to 15, what does it look like? As they begin to get more ability to earn and have more money to save, spend, and um, give, what does that look like? Then 16 to 18, what does that look like? Um, And, you know, et cetera. And that takes us to college. So I've just given you lots of ideas. There are so many more, but just want to give you some things that you can go to. I think somewhere in there I gave you some websites. There are great tips and helps. Um, again, as a husband and wife, Randy Alcorn has fabulous books on money, possessions, etc. that you can get to under- help inform your perspective that then you can pass on. But there are many great um, simple living websites that you can go to that will be chock full of t- ways to teach your kids creatively to do these things. But um, just you know, continue to brainstorm and no, th- I mean, these are just a few tiny ones. But but again, it's great to get your kids to think there are, I have many things I can give. It's not just the dollar bill in my hand. And encourage them always, always to do that. Always, always to be giving of their time and their talent as well as their resources. So, question: Did I talk too long, Kristen? Okay, good. Yes. Yes kind
1: of allowances with like <laughs> little buddy. Like a lot of times when doesn't take away her clothes, I'll give her like some, some money, some pennies or quarters or whatever I have laying right there. And that's a big deal. Should I do that? I obviously I should do that all the time. Like should I said should, should I say
0: beforehand, hey you're gonna get some money if you go do this or should I like what's does that look like? Okay, how old? She's two and a half. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, great. I think that's great. That again, it's a visual, tactile thing. She. I think what you're doing is great. I wouldn't do anything differently at that age. I mean, I think that's great. I don't think you have to... Because I'm not sure she can conceive if you do this, then that. That's a higher level of thinking that I'm not sure a two-year-old has. So, again, don't get beyond what they're able to do. I don't think you begin instilling those things till school age, till they're in school. But, but that she sees she gets money and gets to put it somewhere, great. That's great. Yeah, yeah absolutely great. But I don't think they really can conceive time value... Until school age, but everything you can do like that now is great. Yes, yes, in the back. Hello, Laura. Um, can you talk about
1: we struggle with whether or not the is to tie us to chores, whether or not allows us just with the money, mommy, that it gives you because we have an in and like not our kids are pretty performance driven already. Yes. Yeah. They're age, and we see that, and we're trying to avoid.
0: I think that's your answer. I think that's your answer right there.
1: But what do you? Yeah. So how do you? And then also, how do you pay for or teach them to earn money for chores, and then not expect it? We've had that problem um, too, where it's like good behavior in certain corners, back then.
0: Right. And I'm not sure there is a set answer. I think that's what you and Eric get to decide and all of us get to decide with our spouse is um, what what that looks like. But but as I mentioned, I think absolutely there are chores that are just part of living in a family and you get nothing for it. That is, you know what, I mean, and again, I did not do as good of a job here as I should have Um, with even laundry and kids doing their own laundry and they can begin to do that really early. I really did start that till high school. I mean and just picking up after themselves and doing the dishes and helping with preparing dinner and setting the table. Those are just those are just chores that just come with living in a family. So I, I think it's healthy to just have Jobs that are expected that there is no monetary compensation for, and then to separate what I do compensate for—it's above and beyond. It's something extraordinary. It's something. It's cleaning out the garage, which isn't—we don't do that every day just to live. But it drives Kyle crazy, and he would gladly pay his son to clean out the garage or whatever it is. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what it is in your house, but you know what it is. And so there are the day-to-day things. Teach them that the daily um just being a part of a healthy family means we all work together here and we all have to be responsible. So there's teaching them to be responsible. I don't think that has any monetary value at all. It's teach them to be responsible to put up their clothes, to put up their toys, um, to set the table to help you fold laundry or you know what or to work in the yard. those are expectations but then there are the exceptions that I pay for and I don't know what they are but but I think you guys decide what those are and then and then And you clearly enunciate. Wow, this is a job that Mom has for you, and I'll pay you this amount. And then make it to, and then leave it up to them. It's not I don't I don't make you do it. It's your choice. But if you choose to, this is what you get. It's the reward that comes at the end. So, um, yeah, that's what I would do. But I do think there is a danger, and it's very easy to. And you heard Laura say we're kind of performance oriented. Money and performance, it it very easily gets all caught up together. And um, as believers we don't want to we don't want to train our children to be performant. we're not performing for God we don't do see, we do it out of a heart in, instead and so it's very easy to, to to not see the line to let the lines get blurred and so I think allowance um, almost becomes like um well, it can be the same issue with expecting certain things. There are certain things that you end up, you can control as a parent, and um, it, it, that feed into that performance thing. That you know, if you act this way, then you get this or that. And and you know what? They got to do it because their heart is telling them to do it, not because I want mommy and daddy to look good or whatever. And so that's true with money too. You don't. I don't want you to perform for this. I want you to do it out of a heart for it and so allowance this is really hard it's like so many other like their school work when are school age I mean you set it aside and whether you do it or not is your deal it isn't my deal and you will, you know, you get the So allowance, for us anyway, we, we gave an allowance and it, it, the amount is up to you and what your income is and you figure out what it is. But they were free to do with it. We didn't control what, it, what they did with it once they got it either. That was their choice. Now we set parameters and wanted to help guide, but it was their choice. And sometimes they make choices that aren't wise, and, and it's hard. Um, but that's, that's what they're going to learn from, not from you telling them what to do with it or telling them that it goes with this. So there's great freedom, and with that freedom comes great responsibility. So you,
1: with boxes, you don't tell them... How much
0: goes where? Again, I think you can set up you you can set an expectation that if you get a dollar, some of it has to go in every box. Nothing wrong with that. Because that's what we have to do today with our budget, right? I mean so I would absolutely say some has to go and, and you two decide what that is, you know, um Again, what 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 are those percentages in your own family budget? What percent goes for the things that you have to put your money towards? What percent does your family say and what percent do you give? I don't know what that is. But you and your husband can certainly talk about that and then that's a great framework to give your children to say, you know, this is what mommy and daddy do with it. And so if you've got a dollar, this you know, 50, 50 cents goes in this pile. 30 cents goes in this pile, 20 cents goes in this pile. It's great. That's a great way to do it, you know.
1: Great. Yes? I, I've got a, I think, the allowance to be allow a I've got a related question. So, you know, if there's a, a specific amount, say, for a chore, like cleaning the garage, for example, which is, you know, over and above. But then, like you're saying, if you give them a monthly allowance, I mean, maybe that would help with the performance thing that's not if you do this specific thing, you do this. But I'm just wondering then, how do you tell them, I remember my dad has a big um, thing too that he didn't want to pay for specific chores. He wanted to just say, here's this small amount, and just because you're part of the family, and because you do all those things that you're responsible for. So I don't quite know, like, the whole, option, you know, what kind of a, what kind of a biblical way to say to your kid, this is why we're giving you this allowance.
0: To kind of explain why you're giving them an okay, let me see if I understand the question. I think that the question is Is there a biblical basis for giving an allowance? Is that the question? Um, no,
1: I'm just trying to figure out how to explain to them why, because you know you're saying it's not to be like, here's the money and then they put it in the offering plate or whatever, and that's not kind of as meaningful, but I'm saying like how do you say how do you explain why you're giving them an allowance?
0: Okay, how do we explain why we're giving them allowance? Um, well, and the, the reason is because they're not able to, right. at, an, at a young age, to earn. And so it is, it is mimicking, it is modeling that perspective for them. And again, go back to Scripture. These are, that I've given right here. Because God gives to us. God gives to mommy and daddy through work, through whatever. And so we're giving to you. You're modeling God to them. And God gives. And so we're giving to you. And we're giving so that you can learn. How to use what God has given you? Well, I mean, I think that at, at its most basic, that's what you're doing: is you are simply modeling what God has done for you as as a family. Um, you're modeling that. for They didn't necessarily do anything, not yet. You know, at some, you're trying to begin to impart that, but we get from God and we don't necessarily always do something for it and we give differently
1: Julie because so then would there be anything that would keep you from getting an allowance like See, I think
0: that's when I think it's tied to performance. That's a great question. So Julie's question was, well, then would there be a reason you would not know? I think, again, that's choices, and they need to suffer from the, the, you know, the natural evolution of consequence has to play itself out. Sometimes that can happen quickly. Sometimes that may take a long time to play out. But we don't in our family. We never tied, um, if you didn't do something, then the allowances pull. We didn't, you know... Now, if you didn't do a job that I had, like clean the garage, let's take that example, if you didn't do that well, or you didn't do it, or you started and you didn't finish you're not getting something for that because that's half-baked. I mean, you don't get, it doesn't work that way in the real world. So I'm not going to mimic that. But, nor do I want to tie to performance something that I said, you get an allowance this much. Because, again, what's the purpose of an allowance? What do you think that is? Yes, okay. It is to teach them how to work with money and and what it is, um, the intrinsic value of it, what to do with it, and again, to teach where it comes from to begin with. God, and that it's God, and and how to do that. So if that's the purpose, then... If they don't do something I wanted them to do and I take that away, then I'm I'm removing I'm saying I'm saying it is about how you perform and it's not. It's not about it's it's not about how you perform. It's given regardless of what you do. Now there are natural consequences that fall out of what you do. And let those live themselves out. I, I think that's how we perceive that. It's a great question. What else? Yes. I'm sorry look like at a job when you oh. Oh. But like at a job in real life, if you don't show up into your job, you don't get it. Yeah. So. Right. And that comes later. Right now we're talking about allowance. And so now, you know, as they age, remember we're starting at the little bitty. Now what you'll see in some of these examples is as they age and begin to have, absolutely I mean, our kids both started working at 16 and had jobs. Then things begin to change. And you let that play out. You know, you you, you let that play, play. So you're just trying to give opportunities for some basics at this point and and it does become it gains many more lessons as they age and that is a lesson they need to learn and they're going to learn they're going to learn that in high school if they don't get up when their alarm goes off They're tardy. I mean, you know, they get docked. They get deemed. They're going to learn that. And they're going to learn if they have a job in high school and they don't show up, they don't get paid. So they're going to learn that. And and you want that to play out. And you don't want to necessarily always be waking them up or, you know, reminding them, hey, you're supposed to be at so-and-so at such-and-such. I mean, okay, if they don't go, they're going to suffer the natural evolution of that consequence. So, and then, and then it's not tied to, you know, and then it may not be tied to allowance at all. So, at some point, that would cause me to go, "Well, do you quit giving an allowance?" Well, um, we give our children no money in the summers because, again, we want to encourage them to work. And so, so from the time they were 16 on, summer came around, we're like. You can work. You can make money. We don't give you any allowance, no allowance during summer months. But during the school year, when you have a, you're in a sport and school and whatever, um, then we're going to supplement. We're going to give you a set amount per month because you don't have the opportunity, the time um, quotient to earn like you would during summer. So that's how we handle that one. What else? Yes. I'm kind of bringing it back down to all mine, and possibly sharing. What do you do? Like, I can kind of see how giving and sharing kind of tie together, when they're real small. So, like, what what can the what can that look like as far
1: as making them share, or when they won't share? What should you do with those toys? Right? Just you know, just like like right now we're I have a old four-year-old and a one-year-old almost. And so, like, right now, we're
0: going, well, I was like, well, if i can to share that, then put it in your room, and you just play it alone,
1: sometimes I'm trying to show them maybe, you know, you don't, you're not going like, to have very much fun if you don't have friends, you don't share with people. But I don't really see that working very much, so. <laughs> 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 so I don't know how it is still sharing way or
0: you yeah I do know what you mean and it's still it's still an issue when they're in college um, you know again as parents what is our role what would you say that is as a parent with a child what's our role somebody shout out some options out to, to guide to shepherd what else to model okay what else point them towards yes I didn't hear in any of those make I didn't hear it I don't think it is to make now I love what you said you did which is A natural consequence. You you intimated if you're not going to share, then we're taking it and it goes up on the shelf. That's a natural consequence. So you're not making him share, but he's understanding if I don't, then I don't get this. Okay. Now it may not work immediately, and again, this is where good things like good wine take a long time (laughs) to ferment. And so um, it takes. This can take. This is a. This is why marriage is meant to last a lifetime. This is why parenting... You don't, you're don't. you not parenting for 18 years. You're parenting for the rest of their lives. This is going to take a lifetime to continue to just keep putting out in front of them. Keep encouraging it. Get, make it fun to share. I mean, you know, give great, make it a positive experience. Look for the positive as opposed to reinforcing with the negative. Uh, you know, just continue to be creative. Talk to other people. What did you do in that situation? I don't, I'm not sure the answers, but make it as positive as you can and have lots of great things happen when they do do it. Give positive reinforcement for sharing um, and just continue to put it in front of them that you value it make sure that you're modeling it that they see you doing it Um, you know you can't do the do as I say not as I do I mean deal so those are all things you know let them see you giving clothes away let them see you going to the neighbor next door and making a meal let them see you doing um, and it takes a lifetime it's not going to end tomorrow and it's something you just have to keep plotting at every day, every day. Encouraging, just keep encouraging every day, and the natural evolution will begin to catch up. Wait till he gets to school or she gets to school; um, it, it's going to catch up to him, you know. And then, and then it won't be only you saying and doing it. They'll see a teacher, other students, um, and then society begins to help with that. So, um, over here, did I see a hand?
1: I was just going to say. that, and it takes, feel like it
0: takes so long, then you hear it from their teacher that they share it with someone else. Like, they never do at home because you're right there. <laughs> they use what you did, and as a teacher I would see it. They'd be like, oh my gosh, I, I've been teaching them that for years, they don't do that at
1: home. But they go away from you and use those
0: tools. That's a great word, and um, you know, that that is a great, great rule of thumb. Uh, um, because at home, When you've got siblings and sibling rivalry, I mean, there are just so many things that come into play, and many times it never works in the home environment, and yet, if you continue to reinforce the good, the positive, the the ultimate end game, which is their heart and not their behavior, or the, I did or didn't do this, um, then ultimately, in the oddest places, they'll do it well and it just makes you want to sing you know and you're like where did that come from <laughs> and it's just the greatest feeling in the world so um, that's a great great point uh, yeah Julie um, do you find that using a debit card or a credit card out like you have to make a
1: point of using cash in front of your kids as far as modeling because that's something no. that I think about is that they don't really see a lot of cash so they don't really understand There's actually money here
0: That's a great point. Um, And again, I think it, you know, our our um, electronic world makes it so much more difficult. That's a great point. Because I learned it with cash. Right now, see, I have my kids get a checking account, and I'm like, well, you write a check. My children don't write checks. Everything is done with a debit card. Um, and they they look at their, you know, they've got banking online, and they pay their bills online. And I mean, that's how they write the check, is it's online, and they ask the bank to do it. It makes it very difficult, but did we model something, to, I mean, this is the world that we live in, and that's how it operates. There really is very little cash. But again, how they learn that it is cash still is is Taking it out of their own account, and they ultimately do get it. It's not the same as what it was when I was growing up and using cash, but ultimately it is because they can get a zero balance just as quickly as with a debit card as they can with a check or a ca- piece of cash in their hand. So, um, and you're going to know. I mean, there's going to be a natural bent. Like I said, um, you can do all this, and you can do the same thing, just like you can... You can um, you can discipline your children the same way and get a different result and you can learn you learn very quickly that spanking one and one in time out might be better same is true, you can teach the basic principle across the board but you just gotta know that they're gonna do it differently based on personality and bent and all these things I've got one who um, is very diligent and focused and, and saver, and I've got one who's a spender and we talk the same thing, but one gets it in a way that the other one doesn't. And I can't make it be any differently. One's going to have to learn some harder lessons. He just is. You know, that's just... and the sad thing is he's going to be head of a household and it really scares me but anyway um, but that's okay I mean I know that and I'm like shoot why didn't how, how come those personalities weren't shifted and you know how come it, he couldn't have been had her personality been she couldn't have had his because she'd be a great you know he'd be a great mom but he's not going to be a mom he's going to be a dad <laughs> so he's going to be handling a budget and it's frightening so anyway but um, but you know every then that's why I said we're not finished we're not finished we're not finished, we're not finished. We're not finished. We're not finished. we keep learning Learning this and um, that's a great question. I just think in this world it's very difficult to have that happen. And so our system, our electronic world, does teach the concept. It's just a little. It's not as visual and is in your face. It's not as quick. That okay? I don't have any money in my pocket anymore. Nope. But I have a debit card and I can use it and I can keep using it. So what else? Any other questions? Yeah, um, back to your point. This summer, well, probably in the spring, um, Jordan has—you know—he's film student. Ultimately, wants to be in Hollywood. Heaven help us um, someday. But anyway, he's got some good friends that are already out there in film school, and so he went to see them. Um, and. You know, I didn't know anything about that. It doesn't—that didn't matter. But later in the summer, a mom came up to me. and She goes, "I just have to tell you something that your son did that I cannot believe that my daughter told me. Um, he was out there to see several kids and was with this group, and they had uh, gone to dinner somewhere." you know, on the boardwalk or whatever in L.A. And um, a homeless man approached them and asked for a handout for money. And Jordan, because he has learned and watched a model that his dad and hopefully I have um, given, he said to the guy, Wow, well, what did you want the money for? And the guy goes, Well, I'm hungry. I need to eat. And Jordan goes, Well, we're going to eat right now. Would you like to join us? Well, all the other kids in in the group... Pulled him aside and they're like, We don't want him in with us. He's not going in this restaurant. I don't know where they were, but apparently they didn't want the man coming. You know, I mean, I think he was a homeless man. I mean, he looked like it, acted like it, smelled like it. They were like, Uh-uh, he's not coming with us. So, um, I mean, they pulled him aside. So he had to walk back over to the man and he said, You know, um, my, my friends are going to go on in, but I would I, I, I don't have money I can give you, but I would love. Do you, if you're hungry, he goes, Do you like tacos? He goes, I see at a little taco place right over there. I'll go with you. He his friends went on into this other restaurant. He took this homeless man over and sat with him and ate tacos. Oh. And that does, I mean, you know, that does more for me. Somewhere he's caught something. And he's learned that handing things out isn't necess- doesn't really necessarily ever always help people. But he modeled for this whole other group of kids. They, like, couldn't believe he did this. Um, he modeled care and concern for someone. He modeled. And, and so sometimes in the oddest of places, and I didn't even know and This mother came up to me later and was like, did you know what he did? And how blown away all these other kids were by what he did his actions are speaking louder than words even if he doesn't save his money (laughs) so what else okay well I have loved visiting with you Um, so what we want to do I think We've got 10 minutes. Maybe you're. I would encourage you right now to go to the practical tips for age appropriate skills. And since most of you probably have kids in the younger category, there are some in here that have older kids. And I think that'd be great conversation. Look at the things that are there and just. Um, use those as a platform. What other ideas can your table come up with that you could do? What things are you doing right now? And use that as just how can you teach your kids right now to um, deal with their giving their time, their talent, and their treasure? And uh, just spend a few of these last few minutes brainstorming some of those things. Thanks for having me.